0: My parents started singing this one nigun, like at the dinner table when we were waiting between washing our hands and eating the challah on Friday mm. nights, and it went like, "Y na 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 na."
1: Welcome! You have entered the House of Neshema, hosted by myself, Ariel Rachel, and me, Isabiza. So, what are we doing here? The House of Neshema podcast is a place where we muse over Jewish culture, rituals, and humor,
2: crash about the complications of our own Jewish identities.
1: Yes, and we do so in hopes of sparking necessary conversations and reflections with other Jews across the diaspora.
2: In other words, you can consider this podcast the matzah soup of the wandering Jewish soul.
1: And in the soup today, we are joined by our very first guest, the incredible, inventive, soulful, multi-talented Marnie Lofman,
2: otherwise known as Singing Jewess. Marnie is a self-described collaborative being as well as a song, prayer creator, performer, educator, and so, so much more. Most of their work surrounds music, education, connection, and healing. And for those who may not know, they're the composer behind our show's theme music.
1: Yes, the theme music you've been hearing and all those lovely transitions, that is all the beautiful singing and playing of Marnie. So it's truly such a blessing to have work with them and just to be connected, because I mean, me and Issa started off solely as fangirls of their music. Until the day came and I cold DM'd Marnie via Instagram, basically saying, you know, hi, hello, we love you. And like, no big deal, but your voice is the sound of our project soul, our Neshama. You know, basically asking if they would be interested in creating original music for our show.
2: And thus, the start of our work together and connection was born.
1: Yes. So... In this episode, you will hear Marnie muse over something called negonim, which translates into English most simply as wordless melodies often heard in different prayer spaces and across the expansive and diverse Jewish music world.
2: Yes, and in their words, it's something that exists in everyone. And it's even a language of our soul beyond words.
1: And on the topic of words, though, we are excited for you to sit with Marnie's reflective and wise words about its fascinating history, contemporary revival, and generative healing and just creative life that Nigunim has taken off within Marnie's own musical, religious, spiritual world.
2: And they even offered us a musical treat of a new song they chose to play for us. So you'll definitely want to stick around for that after the interview.
1: And I mean, Issa, you were there. I mean, this all sounded like a really special interview.
2: Yeah, it was super special to me. Marnie and I bonded over our shared passions of music and the concept of holding space for things like languages and healing through the cathartic act of making sound. Basically, how the voice can heal. So,
1: get comfortable and prepare yourself for an insightful and beautiful journey. We hope this episode takes you on. And I know that's what it did for me.
2: Yeah, stay tuned. We want to acknowledge that this episode dives into Marnie's personal experience and relationship to Nigunim. The full history of Nigunim is multifaceted, complex, and cannot be covered in a single episode. So we invite you to learn more by visiting the resources in our episode description. So we would like to welcome Marnie Lothman, aka Singing Jewess, which totally explains them, from TikTok and Instagram, and just a super, super cool person, Ningoon Powerhouse. Yeah, I'm just like really happy that you're here. Um, how, how have you been since you last talked? I've been good. I've
0: been traveling and doing a little adventure. I drove from Hartford, Connecticut to outside of Denver, Colorado in the mountains. I made my way across the country with one of my best friends, and uh, she's not American, so she's never seen a lot of places in the country before. We stopped in, uh, yes, we started in Hartford, we stopped in Pittsburgh, we stayed in Ann Arbor, Michigan, in Wisconsin, in Minneapolis, in Omaha, and landed in Colorado. And I've been out in Colorado just doing staff training for my summer job um, with a Jewish wilderness therapy program working mm-hmm. as a Jewish life and learning coordinator, so leading morning rituals and, wow. um, and helping think about curriculum and how to weave in mm-hmm. Jewish wisdom and text and spiritual life into therapeutic lenses and nature, environmental-based lenses. It's really, really nice to be living a little bit off the grid in the mountains. We have no cell service. There's one building okay. that has Wi-Fi. Um, But, you know, I've been sleeping on the ground in a tarp for the past two weeks. And Mm -hmm. uh, just outside, cooking outside, sleeping outside, living outside. And that's been really special. Doing a lot of singing with people is really nice, too. Like, for me, that's a really therapeutic and important part of Jewish life and Jewish practice. And um, music is really expressive for me and is one of my favorite parts of Jewish community.
2: It's so nice when you can bring your own skills and, like, almost like your own talents. Singing is used as such like a tool of healing.
0: The idea of song as healing or music as healing and what role that plays in our trauma. And then also just in general, like Jews, carrying trauma both as individuals and just human beings Mm -hmm. and that's a part of Mm -hmm. life and as Jewish people that have these intergenerational experiences and with all our other Mm -hmm. intersectional identities that we carry with us that bring their own histories and their own heritages in our body so like just carrying so much with us and, and how To me, it's interesting because I think for some people, Jewish identity and Jewish experiences have caused them trauma, like from within Mm -hmm. Judaism, whether Mm -hmm. it's like religious trauma or like the guilt, shame associated Mm -hmm. with certain religious upbringings and things like that. And depending on how much autonomy that a person has in choosing their Jewish path can really change your relationship to how healing Judaism is or is not for you, Um, Mm -hmm. which you know, is a really interesting story because for some people coming to Jewishness and finding Jewish culture and identity and practice is so healing. And for other people where it was like forced on them in Mm -hmm. certain ways, it's the opposite where it's like, it's not coming from a place of agency and choice. So then it's not healing. Um, and for some people they found different aspects of judaism throughout their life like maybe one way was forced on them but then they found a different path that was meaningful and brought them hope and healing and but to answer your question about like the music and some of the stuff that i mean at least i really agree with what you're saying about the idea that music and singing is extremely healing and there's a very Mm -hmm. strong jewish tradition for the vote like for the voice and vocal music in general and um and also from a scientific perspective your vocal cords your vocal folds are mm-hmm. literally stimulate parts of your nervous system that are connected oh, wow. to your vagus nerve which is a part Ooh, so of
2: scientific <laughs> yes. yeah no
0: your vagus nerve yeah, is a yeah, part yeah. of your kind of response to danger it's connected to your these two responses your sympathetic response and your parasympathetic response which are like what tell your body either i'm in danger or i am safe and so when we there's a lot of different wisdom traditions that use like humming or breathing or singing or chanting as like a mode of calming meditation prayer or ritual and i think from a from a biological perspective, our bodies are calmed down and our nervous system is stimulated in a calming way just by humming or the vibration of your Mm -hmm. vocal cords. It's a very powerful physical tool. So like the fact that our prayer is full of music or vocalizing or that we feel this visceral sense of calm, connection, longing, peace, emotionality when we sing makes a lot of sense to me because of how connected Mm -hmm. you know our voice is to you know our nervous system and our nervous system reactions so i think it's i think it's a really cool question of like the power of voice i mean our tradition has known this for a long time but science is giving new language to Mm -hmm. it in new ways but that you know our voices literally do heal and you have jewish thinkers throughout history who talk about the healing power of music or the way music helps us to like um ease chaos or ease our own ailments on multiple levels like our emotional world and our physical world are very interconnected with each other and the voice is like this this way of being that moves between emotional and physical it's like extremely Mm -hmm. physical but it also taps into this other part it like it's a literal kind of it exemplifies the bridge between our physical and emotional selves that are very much connected but we don't always think about how connected they are yeah
2: they are and like i don't know that makes a lot of sense sometimes when i'm anxious like you have like you know you lose your words right but like for some reason singing is so much like easier or like it's easier to tap into if if you're anxious and you need something to calm you down your upbringing and and practicing nungun and nungunim. I grew up Jewish very kind of traditional observant context between the
0: conservative and modern Orthodox worlds um, and had my foot in different spaces but I always loved singing and I always would sing to myself even as a young person I have like so many memories of just like walking and talking to myself in melody like I would be talking to myself but I didn't really know what words I was saying I would just use words to make in order to make up tunes and melodies or I remember like sitting on the bus as a little person and looking out the window and like sing talking to myself or I would like read books but I would just use the books as an excuse to make up melodies, so I wouldn't be paying attention to the words, but I would read the words to a tune, which mm-hmm. I really love doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and is your question when I first encountered? Yeah, when Nune, you first
2: um, encountered. Yeah, and um, I guess, you know, the teachers involved. When when did you first, I guess, hear one? Um, I, I maybe in school or maybe from a parent or yeah. a teacher.
0: Yeah. It's hard exactly to remember because Mm -hmm. I think Nigunim and Nigun is such like a integrated part of Jewish life and Jewish prayer. And so since I grew up in Jewish prayer spaces, like I was always hearing melodies being used to the prayers. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think the first time, and so, and it felt like such an intuitive part of who I was and how I communicated with myself and in life. And Mm -hmm. when I was in high school, there's, um, a Jewish musician named Joey Weisenberg who kind of made it his project for a while to revive the Nigun and like Jewish Nigun singing in community and kind of unearthed and revived a lot of old Jewish Nigunim from Eastern Europe and brought them to contemporary Jewish communities um, in something that's now very popular called the Nigun Circle and so um, he came to my synagogue when I was in high school and sang some um, melodies and did a melody workshop and that my parents started singing this one nigun like at the dinner table when we were waiting between washing our hands and eating the challah on Friday Mm. nights Um, and it went like I-, I like distinctly remember it it's very popular now uh-huh. <laughs> Like <laughs> My parents, like, sang it all the time. I actually thought it was so annoying at some point. Like, I was like, yeah, like this is, like, like,
2: really yeah. annoying.
0: Uh, they sang it over and over and over again.
2: I remember, like, hearing them it was just a temple. I didn't know that was something that I could, like, learn, so... Yeah. I don't know if you thought that. Like-
0: yeah, well, it's also, I mean, for me, it felt very intuitive because melody was something that I always did. Before I even knew what Ni was, or, like, before it was something that had... You know, before it was, like, capital N, Nigun, like, in its Mm -hmm. context of, like, this is this thing that we're reviving and we're singing in community and we're making a thing now. Um, Because there's been many histories and chapters of American Jewish music revivals. Like, you have the era of, like, Debbie Friedman Mm -hmm. and, like, the American Jewish folk rock Tradition, mm-hmm. and now you have this <laughs> yeah. like now you have this new era and phase, and you have um, like you have klezmer, this, and like yeah, and klezmer, mm-hmm. and um, different revivals of like Mizrahi Jewish music, Middle Eastern Jewish music, and North African Jewish music, and now you mm-hmm. have
2: um, Ladino, Ladino, like yeah,
0: Westerners and but there's been different chapters in Jewish history of like these little spurts of energy around a certain sphere, and there's this recent one around nigunim, so it's like it's it's a thing in a in a more official kind of formal sense but like nigun is something that's supposed it's something that exists in everyone and it's like a language of our soul beyond words and um a famous chassidic rabbi talks about how nigun is like the pen of the soul it's the way Mm -hmm. we like communicate and express ourselves on a very soul level so it's interesting to me where like now we teach nigunim in hebrew schools and it's very in as like the new chapter of like jewish music like you know bringing the nigun to synagogues and hebrew schools but really what it's about is about getting people connected to themselves getting people connected to their own emotions to their feelings to where they're at to their sense of authenticity and self-trust and connection with something greater and giving it It's supposed to be a raw place of just expression of self in in, in an authentic and unfiltered way. And that's how a lot of nigunim are thought to be composed. They are just kind of outpourings of a person's feeling and emotion. And for me, it's more interesting and important to teach children, to teach young people how to connect to themselves and how to feel authentic and expressive and alive and present Mm -hmm. than it is to teach them nigunim because we could be teaching them Mm -hmm. how to sing nigunim but they are like we could be singing nigunim in front of them but that doesn't necessarily like make a young person feel what a nigun like the place that a Nigun comes from, which is the Nigun is supposed to come from this place of like authentic expression, aliveness, and presence. And that's something that can't be imitated. That's something that everyone needs to find for themselves and to discover by connecting to themselves and learning what it means to be sensitized as a human being, mm-hmm. to be present as a human being, to be in relationship with yourself and others in a real way. <laughs>
1: Hi everyone! Real quick, I just want to tell you about my longtime project, Neshema the Jewish Soul. It is an ongoing interactive documentary and living, breathing archive that takes a deeply intimate dive into Jewish womanhood in the United States. Told from the voices of Jewish women themselves across a variety of racial, ethnic, and Judaic backgrounds. It's a place for you to hear the unique and eclectic stories, journeys, and perspectives on that crucial topic of what it means to be a Jewish woman. You can see some of the stories featured by visiting neshama.amandapeckler.com. And if you're interested in participating and simply learning more, send us an email at neshama.interact at gmail.com. All right, back to the episode.
2: Okay, we are back with Marnie, and we are going to continue talking about Ningun um and uh really get into how it's so powerful and how it's it's been a joy to get to know more of because i just didn't know what it was called i just i was hearing it from um you know growing up and going to temple and everything but i just didn't know the specifics even like the history so yeah i would love to know more about that it's like nigun melody yeah
0: you know has a very long and human history beyond and within so many different cultures not just judaism and it's like on the one hand you can't isolate like this kind of raw melody within your with that exists within human beings to uh, one history and it's taken on different forms and practices and popularity and meaning in different communities in different ways and the current like Nigun revival right now that we see in the US that has, ha- has happened from multiple different Jewish communities. And it would be really interesting to look at kind of how that's happened across Jewish communities. One of the predominant ones and the one that I'm familiar with is from kind of the Hasidic tradition of Nigunim, which um, uh, kind of there was this big music revival in the 18th century in Eastern mm-hmm. Europe with, with Hasidism, um, and the Baal Shem Tov, who was this, like, kind of great Hasidic master, Mm -hmm. um, founder of Hasidut, um, who, who kind of would sing these melodies that were believed to be these melodies from the soul, and you have kind of lots of, lots of, gatherings where people would think people would talk about how these melodies without words were even more powerful than words and that this music was this very raw expression of the soul um and there was a lot of conflict within the jewish community at that time um and jews that really valued learning and text and liturgy were really unhappy with these like hippy dippy jews who just Mm -hmm. wanted to sing all the time and uh were so connected (laughs) to the music. It even felt scary or dangerous or threatening to kind of the more rational, refined, um, Mm -hmm. kind of head-based, mental-based Judaism. Ritual-based. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, And these nigunim, these melodies, would be sung at... Uh, gatherings called tishes tish literally means Mm -hmm. table it's gathering around a table to sing or Mm fabrangans which are like these social gathering where people would tell stories sing melodies um drink eat and and to this day kind of nigunim have traveled throughout history been taught been carried on through communities around tables in circles in prayer um kind of orally and there's been different you know you could take the academic perspective but also nigun kind of in these these melodies this place of of melodic expression is really present in our prayer service and you have these Mm -hmm. cantorial traditions across the jewish community um, in the middle east in north africa in eastern europe in western europe and then in the united states um, where the kinds of musical modes and styles of singing that come from the way we would sing prayer text make their way in influencing the kind of repetitive or meditative music that comes out in these nigun singing spaces, these tishes, these febrangens, these social gatherings. Um, and so there's a, there's constantly a conversation between these raw melodies um, in Jewish liturgical and prayer spaces and what's being sung in the community but there's also tension because the style is very different Mm -hmm. maybe you know the style uh of like the role of improvisation versus rigidity how much it's connected to words and text versus how much it's supposed to be like wordless and transcendent um how it's getting taught is it getting taught you know um orally or, you know, as Jews are emancipated and moving into Western Europe and being influenced by the enlightenment, is it being taught through like recorded and written styles of music versus, you know, through community and through singing and repetition and learning in that way. And so you have this constant tension that's even played out within the music between what kind of Jew you are, how influenced you are by secular culture or enlightenment or musical new you know institutional music spaces um, and how much you're still in that place of like raw communal oral transmission communal transmission um, improvisation creativity so it's a really interesting tension
2: you talk about nigunim being something that lives off the page
0: for me like the heart and soul of jewish musical expression really happens not when we're reading and memorizing and learning and writing um, and over conceptualizing but when we're embodying it and in experience with it and in relationship with others through the music. And I think that one thing that was really powerful to me that my cantor told me when I was younger who had a more classical training, she said to me that it's only when we study something and memorize it so perfectly that then we can kind of fly free and explore and uh, improvise and feel at home in it. But learning that foundation really well is really important. And I think there are some really beautiful offerings of the more classical musical traditions that are really focused on imitation and are focused on how do I learn this exactly as it is written and execute it and perform it exactly as it's written and what power does that have, both in preserving beautiful traditions that would otherwise get lost and in really being committed to like, yeah, to just learning something as it is or as it has been and then adding your voice to it afterwards. So that's Mm -hmm. one tradition. But then this you know, for me, there's this other tradition that's really powerful that I think oftentimes gets overlooked. It's you know, it's the classic tension between like folk traditions and classical traditions. Yeah. Um, but that is that is this sense of like every single time we sing something, every single time we say something, we are adding our own voice anyway to um, to whatever is out there. Like even if it's words, right? How many Mm -hmm. times have I probably articulated words in a similar pattern that somebody else has articulated words before me? There's only so many words in the English language. There's only so many ways to say something. And I'm constantly drawing on the same terms and expressions and syntax of other people. And yet, every time I say something, it's coming from this real, raw, Marnie place that is trying Mm -hmm. to express themselves authentically. And with music, it's too like to pretend that I can that I can, that I can, like, be a neutral voice, just repeating something else that someone has written and repeating it perfectly musically. It's, A, it takes away, like, the really, the beauty of expression and, like, just outpouring that can happen when we express ourselves and presence and aliveness. I think, you know, Nigoon is this opportunity to let go and release some of the tension we sometimes hold where we're like this has to be done no this is the way it goes no this is the Mm -hmm. way it goes no this is how the melody is written or no this is the idea we're talking about but it's actually like okay we're here in the present moment and we're expressing ourselves like what's coming out how can i trust myself how can i be real how can i make something meaningful Mm -hmm. and beautiful? how can i fall into
2: it yeah how can i fall into this pattern you kind of have some type of guideline for but you can kind of go off Go off the top, I guess. You know?
0: Exactly. And, and you don't and, and you don't even need a guideline. Like, I think that, to me, that is a really, really special uh, mm-hmm. invitation where it's like, wow, I spend so much of my life being anxious <laughs> that, like, I don't know exactly what I'm supposed to be doing right now and I mm-hmm. need to know exactly what I'm supposed to be doing right now. Mm-hmm. But I have so much in me without any planning, mm-hmm. without any knowing, without any control or certainty. Like, there's so much already here. Like, how do I, like, trust that and allow that to come out in every moment Mm -hmm. rather than being so hyper-focused on Mm -hmm. executing something that I'm supposed to know I'm supposed to be doing, you know? And, like, music, certain styles of music learning and music performance and music leading are really fixated on how can I execute this well? And there's a power to that. There's a power to that. We create shared languages. We... We bring music that lots of people know. But even if I knew nothing, well let's say I got in a room with a group of people
2: mm-hmm.
0: and none of us had anything in common. We didn't share any language. We didn't share mm-hmm. any ideas or thoughts. We didn't share a sense of what the plan of what we were gonna do together was That'd be really hard. what what <laughs> yeah. what would I do? But if I just pointed to myself mm-hmm. and started singing something short, and then pointed to them to like, I could just make up anything or do anything and we could learn it Mm -hmm. together, you know, or if someone in the rooms just started repeating a melody over and over again, we could all create a shared voice from a place where there was no shared voice. And sometimes, you know, like, just recognizing how much already exists in any given moment and like, being present with it. power of improvisation to me it's like this this mm-hmm. really beautiful presence and tapping into the creativity that's a part of us and i i mean i don't really like believe in god in a traditional sense and i have my mm-hmm. qualms and difficulties with like
2: no same too. religious
0: yeah. perspectives and yet i feel like a deeply spiritual person in other ways even though the word spiritual feels really vague to me and i don't know exactly what i mean when i'm saying it like i'm still mm-hmm. figuring out my way but But I really, there's this concept in Judaism that we're created in the image of God, B'Tselem Elohim, Uh, and God is like this creative force of the universe, like this ability for things to create themselves, like a cell is constantly recreating itself, you know. Like, the world is in a constant state of creation. Like, you know the classic philosophy metaphor where it's like, if you have a ship and you replace every single one of that the boards, real. whatever, is it still the same ship? Even if it's like, you know, you slowly replace every one of the boards and sails and parts yeah, of the ship. Is it, it still like the, the same, same ship even if it looks exactly the same, but all the parts are new parts? And it's like, the world is like that. It's constantly replacing all of its old And pieces. evolving. And even in our yeah. bodies, like, I today at the age of 26 and um, i look i feel like i've been building off of some version of myself but every component of my body is new the cells are mm-hmm. all like completely different than they were when i was five years oh, old so crazy! To- <laughs> right and we're yeah. so like creation and the creativity mm-hmm. of the world and life in our bodies is continually yeah. happening and when we improvise when we bring new melody into the world when we're just super present and authentic with where we are we're tapping into that like i don't know creative power of the universe Mm -hmm. and of ourselves and like there are some people that will say that is like this very divine energy that um Mm -hmm. that ability to just be in the act of creation and and in the act of improvisation because it's like that's the creative act of the universe that's constantly ongoing
2: Judaism like it can shift and change how you shift and change you know like it's like for me when I was growing up I've you know I don't know I I feel like everyone has their own relationship mm. with like religion and everything and so I'm trying to you know kind of get back into it more but like kind of to fit my own needs and spirituality and maybe not so much of the religious side even your story like helps like validate mine in terms of um, being involved in it and still being um, intertwined in it without You know being a certain way or what you've been taught or what you other people expect a Jew would be that's that's all what this podcast is about you know
0: yeah not letting like other people define for me the boundaries of what it means for me to be Jewish just because I was Mm -hmm. taught like being Jewish looks like this this and that but Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna let somebody else take away being Jewish from me because of like expectations or pressures that were nece- like put on me of what it means to be Jewish like I get to define that for myself still and to claim that in mm-hmm. a way that's meaningful for me and I I'm I absolutely love what you just said of like comparing this metaphor of the creative mm-hmm. act and like improvisation yeah. in the music in like God, in the story of God's creation of the world which is like a story but it's still a really meaningful story um to like the story of Judaism and like being also maybe even the divinity or the power of Judaism is this ability for it to be constantly like recreating itself and to be alive in the process of creation that is ongoing every single day and every 10 years and every century and every you know millennium, whatever. And that's really, really beautiful. Like, Judaism is a song. There's a metaphor um, that says like the Torah is a song, and um, and even like the Talmud, and it's the many voices that are constantly harmonizing with each other and expressing themselves within um, the tradition that create the beautiful tradition that it is but the idea of it being a song not just in the sense of many voices and harmony and dissonance but also the idea of the Torah Torah being a song and Judaism being a song in in its like yeah inherent creativity and like constant changing it cannot stay the same you know just like a song that's written down and recorded and Mm -hmm. and 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 a composer maybe feels like it's being performed incorrectly (laughs) we have Mm -hmm. the same thing in judaism it's like wait a minute no this is what's written this is what's said why are they doing it that way they're performing it wrong they're messing up all the notes you know like it's and, and I think there's this great attachment that people get to what Jewishness mm-hmm. is and what it means to be Judaism. Mm-hmm. But if ju- to me, Judaism is a song. It's music. And yeah. songs evolve. Songs change. They get sung differently by different people. You know, and it's actually beautiful. People write new ones. Like, mm-hmm. and it, that's actually, but, but some of those new ones build on the patterns and tendencies of the old ones.
2: any new projects that are on the horizon or maybe hints of one that you want to promote
0: yeah I mean I you know you can always follow me on social media and see my content as it's coming up there but I am just um, finishing this year of living in kind of like an international interreligious multicultural community that we were doing a grad degree together in peace Mm -hmm. and conflict studies and um, one of the kind of, with that and my experience moving through lots of different Jewish communities and with music and healing and the voice, I'm like hoping to put together and kind of working on, this isn't really a promotion, but starting to work on the beginnings of a album project that is about journeying and journeys. Mm-hmm. And I recently wrote a song for the Traveler's mm-hmm. uh, Prayer wow. or the Prayer for Journeys. We call it Tfilat Haderach um because i find myself oftentimes in limbo or in liminal spaces in my life in between mm-hmm. destinations not quite sure where i'm going mm-hmm. and like we talked about i'm very too, yeah, <laughs>
2: That's yeah like we talked
0: Yeah and like we talked about even with Judaism or with music like everything is always on a journey or in a state of process or travel or transformation even when we think there is like a fixedness and a settledness, there's always kind of movement happening. And so I feel like a theme for me is really creating um, strength and healing and expression for that process of journeying. And so I'm hoping to create like a kind of album that has lots of different voices from different communities and places um, with a bunch of my songs that relate to just like a mix of jewish prayer mindfulness like some interfaith stuff and um the way that relates to journeys and journeying so i have a bunch of songs that are waiting they're waiting and they've been waiting for a long time to like be recorded more uh, with a little more love and attention Mm -hmm. and so i'm in the phases of kind of planning that project right now and kind of also the yeah so i'm in the i'm in the phase of planning that project Mm -hmm. and have this one song that uh yeah kind of became a thread like it really just came out of me because I I get very anxious in travel I love Mm -hmm. traveling and movement but I also get very anxious during those moments in my life and a lot of emotions come up for me Mm -hmm. and I was on an airplane recently I have terrible airplane anxiety oh same (laughs) and I (laughs) just was like saw yeah I saw someone across the aisle from me saying that The Traveler's Prayer, Tfilat Haderech. And in that moment, even though I don't believe anyone is going to listen or protect me just because I say it, I was like, I need some grounding ritual to do in this moment. And I have breathing exercises and lots of other things, but I wanted to say the prayer at that point. And I asked her if I could borrow her Sidor, her prayer book, Mm -hmm. and she gave it to me. And I said Tfilat Haderech. But while I was reading it, I realized that I don't have any melodies for it. Or like i've never had it sung and like Mm -hmm. i don't have a melody for it and i was like wow i wish i had something i could sing to myself to soothe Mm -hmm. myself and that this wasn't just me mumbling but there was a tune here because Mm -hmm. there's a feeling here and the next morning when i arrived at my destination i was on a walk again in transit in motion i go on a lot of walks and i just started singing this melody to myself and I wrote this melody for the 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 traveler's prayer and now since then every time I've been on an airplane I like find myself humming it to myself and singing it to myself and um, I'm just finding it to be really grounding for me in this moment of big transitions and change Mm -hmm. and for all like especially as COVID is opening up and there's a lot more traveling and change happening too I'm like there's something about being able to connect to the human experience of vulnerability when we are in a state of journey and change Mm -hmm. that even if I don't believe like in a cognitive way the words and whether they're true or not or whether they're real or not real, they're true to my experience and they connect me to all the humans who have ever existed and will exist and Mm -hmm. do exist that are in a moment of like fear and vulnerability and anxiety when we're in that place of just, oh, I have no power mm-hmm. while I'm in this m- movement and journey. And um, I, I found that really meaningful. So
2: that's such a cool story is I totally agree with you. When I, I am someone who, um, you know, I'm a Gemini rising, so I like to travel a lot. So I'm like, I, um, but I'm always scared right before. And so it, but yes. I always push myself in these situations. I find ways to like, um, find comfort in that even though i'm like leaving my comfort zone and even just like having someone to hand you a prayer book it doesn't have to be your own it, it shows like someone else is like looking out for you in some way even though they can't like provide to you everything they can you know provide what they have um and then you can kind of create off of that which is it's really cool to hear mm-hmm
0: yeah i love that you use the language also of resilience and what it looks like to build and find resilience even in moments we want something and Mm -hmm. we know we want it and care about it Mm -hmm. and value it but we may have like lots of obstacles in our way so how do we find the resilience the tools the things just give us strength whether it's in people and relationships Mm -hmm. that support one another or like words and poetry and self-expression and music and I, I mm-hmm. love that language yeah. and framing. Did you all want me to sing the one of the songs? Like oh, to sing yes. A song
2: or perform a song? Yeah, or yeah, yeah. Like if you if you are if you are comfortable with that.
0: And I would love to share that song because it's really like meaningful to me, and it also feels like a beautiful blessing
2: for us for where we are in our lives i'm starting a job on mondays so i'm Ah. like i'm gonna take that thought with me when yeah oh i love that yeah so i'm like on my way to work i'm like so nervous so i'm gonna be like thinking yes about that okay i have my guitar we are ready oh my gosh i'm so excited okay so let's
0: see
2: by Marnie Lothman, You can find their original and covered music on TikTok, SoundCloud, and Instagram under the handle at singing underscore Jewish.
1: Well, that's a wrap on episode five. So if we've piqued your curiosity and appetite for more matzah ball soup for the wandering Jewish soul, we invite you to follow us wherever you enjoy your podcasting. And we wanted to share that we still have open guest slots for the season. So if you are interested in coming on the show or know someone who would, feel free to DM us via Instagram at House of Neshema or drop us an email at neshema.interact at gmail.com. As always, thank you so much for the support and simply joining us on this journey. So please stay tuned and until next time.